thank you very much, uh, Pastor Dan, uh, Cornerstone Church family. Um, we are uh, excited about what God's doing, and uh, but I'll do some introductions first. So, oh, there we go. All right, so... Um, the, for those of you who do not know me, uh, I am Matthew McCullough, originally from the Kingsford, Deserano area. Um, got a Deserano person here, so we're good. Um, grew up in a dairy farm uh, with my mom, my dad, and my sister and brother, and uh, left in 2001 and headed overseas to do my YWAM Youth with a Mission discipleship training, and my first outreach was Cambodia. And so... Entered Cambodia January 20th of 2002, and second day there, felt God say, this is where you'll be for the rest of your life. And I said, nope, going home on the dairy farm. And it's now been 17 years since I have been serving with Cambodians. And so I'm hoping this works. Just click forward, right? Ah, there we go. All right, so before we start, I do want to introduce Jonathan. And so as we were here last time, you would not have met Jonathan. We were only a family of five. We are a family of uh, six. Uh, Jonathan came into our lives at uh, two months old, and uh, he has been the joy and the happiness and sometimes uh, lack of sleep. Uh, but he um, is our son, and we are so thankful for him. We are asking for prayer because citizenship, we are praying that it goes through, that uh, Jonathan will be able to enter Canada at some point. Um, it is looking not like this time, unfortunately, but uh, unless it happens in the next week. Um, but we are uh, excited to have Jonathan in our lives. Um, he will be a year and 10 months now, uh, two years in September. Um, we are serving with an organization called Crossworld. Uh, Crossworld is a disciple. There we go. Crossworld is a discipleship organization. It's an organization that... Uh, desires to make disciples. So what does it mean to make a disciple? A disciple coming along somebody, living life on life with them. Every single one of you that are in this room, if you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you were called to make disciples. And that could be in from all professions. So if you're a teacher, if you're a doctor, if you're working at Tim Hortons, if you're whatever you do, you know, to live life on life, to come alongside the people, your neighbors, your friends, and just being able to uh, speak life and grace um, and challenge sometimes. Um, but it's one of those things of bringing God's love to life, you know, to allow the people to see that God is real, that he has changed you from the inside out and that you're going to come alongside others for Crossworld, It is in the least reach marketplaces. And so we're serving in an area of Cambodia that is not just least reach. It's an unwanted section. And so I'll share a little bit in a minute of what that means. Um, to give a little facts about Cambodia, just in case you don't know what Cambodia is. Cambodia is between Thailand and so in uh, Vietnam. There's about 16.48 million people. When I arrived in Cambodia 17 years ago, um, there was only 13 million people. Um, when I arrived as well, there was 0.002% Christian. We are now up to 3.2% Christian. So the gospel is being spread. People are coming to know Christ. But it's one of those things that the church may be uh, a mile wide but it like a centimeter deep. And so discipleship is definitely needed. Um, there's a lot of Cambodians that they've quickly accepted Christ, but they don't know the word of God. They don't have generations and generations behind them that have gone to Sunday school that have been taught the word of God. And so that is our heart is to use the word of the God uh, as the foundation in all that we do. Uh, we're working in the area of human trafficking. Uh, 35% of human trafficking victims are under the age of 16 years old. 
For the last two and a half years, I've served with an organization called Hard Places Cambodia. Hard Places specifically focuses on boys and young men. Their youngest boy was three years old that came into their center, sold by their parents. Normally, they're between the ages of uh, five, six, up to 12. Um, they have about 350 boys that come through on a regular basis uh, throughout a month. And they're able to come and just learn English and be hugged and be loved. And, um, you know, some of them I've gone in and they're just sleeping on the ground uh, in, the, in the shelter. So it's one of those things that are safe. Um, through the uh, relationships the staff are building with the kids, kids are coming forward. And because stuff is, uh, the kids are coming forward immediately as soon as they get to the center, they're being taken to the clinic and tests are being done and prosecution is happening. Um, so it's one of those things, it's a, it's a hard place to work. And when I first went in, I had said two hard places, I don't know if I can work here um, just because I don't know what I would do to some of the parents. I have, I'm a father of three at that point, now four. Um, and my kids are the exact same age as the kids that are being hurt. And so um, I went to the Young Adult Center. While I showed up at the Young Adult Center, it was one of those things that we have uh, guys between the ages of 18 to 36. These are guys that have come out of the brothels. These are guys that thought the only way that they could support their families was to sell themselves. And they, didn't, they don't have education. They don't have the means to do anything else. And so they felt that was the only way. Now, their parents have no idea what they're doing. They're just sending money home to the villages every month. And so that's the center uh, that we work for. Um, there are four areas of uh, human trafficking if somebody wants to get involved. Those areas are prevention, rescue, restoration, or reintegration. So prevention is coming alongside the parents and saying, hey, your child has value. This is not the way that they were created for. This is not the purpose to uh, allow the young adults that if they had tools, if they had skills, they could be somebody else. They don't have to continue to go down uh, the road that they're going down. It's just to speak life into them before they get to a point of desperation that because of the income and the low poverty of Cambodia, they think it's the only way that they're going to be able to survive. And so being able to get to them before they get to that point. Rescue, exactly what it says. There's great organizations in Cambodia, Agape International, International Justice Mission, Ratana International, great organizations that are literally doing the rescues. They're going into the brothels, the boys and the girls, or the young ladies and young men, are going into them and rescuing the girls out, rescuing the guys out, getting them into uh, safe homes, um, and then that's when the restoration starts. Coming alongside as a counselor, as a disciple of Jesus Christ, as somebody just to, to love on them, to listen, to help them process what they've been through. And so that's what the center was of Hard Places, called Pan Lok Tamai Mem. Um, you'll see some of the shirts in the video we're about to share. Um, but it's one of those things of just allowing them to share, allowing them to be something they thought they would never have, never be. Reintegration? I apologize, um, is the giving them that second chance. And so for me, the last year and a half has been working at Century 9. We established it. We taught them how to run a restaurant. We taught them how to be baristas. We came alongside of them, and they're still running that today. I have stepped down from the restaurant because at the uh, there was a point that I was serving more tables than I was doing discipleship, and my wife said to me, are you here to run a restaurant or are you here to work with men? So my wife is very wise, and I stepped down. <laughs> Um, the next one just sort of shows you, this is the, you may not be able to see it, but at the very end of the Khmer Empire on the right-hand side, there's a, a less colored location. That is current Cambodia today. 
But back in the ninth century, it was all Cambodia. There was no Thailand. There was the Vietnam was up top. It wasn't down where it is today. Um, it was all Cambodia. It was the powerhouse. They called it the Pearl of Asia. Cambodia was, but in the 13th century is when Thailand started. And so when we ask people, you know, what is your favorite Asian South Asian food? A lot of people would say Thai or Vietnamese food. Well, technically there's no such thing. Um, maybe the Vietnamese up top, but you know, for the most part, it's one of those things. So we named the restaurant century nine. I don't want to hit it too many times. Maybe click it to the next one. It's working. There we go. All right. So we named it century nine for this reason. As we're rediscovering the flavors of Cambodia and trying to uh, encourage the Cambodians to say, hey, you got a lot of stuff going for you because your food is fantastic. We're restoring the guys to their original state before they went into the, the brothels. And so with the guys, we have uh, there's been 13 guys that have been hired that have been gone through the center, got some healing, been able to now come into the workforce. At the same time, not all stories are success stories. Two guys had to go back to the center because they weren't ready to come into the public. And they wanted to, we just wanted to make sure they're okay. They weren't fired. They were still paid, but they were paid back at the center to get their hearts ready, to get them ready to be able to come back into society. Um, it's hard when the girls are coming out of the human trafficking, they, they have to go through the same healing process. But when a guy comes out of the human trafficking, there's one more uh, level, one deeper level, and a lot of them are struggling with same-sex attraction because they have been raped over and over again. That's not a thing that happens in the girls, but it is uh, a thing that happens in the guys. So these are guys that wanting to be loved, wanting to be affirmed, wanting to not have the life they've lived. Um, and so when they come to the restaurant, we, we want them to, to learn the skills. We want them to be baristas. We want them to be waiters. We want them to be chefs all that stuff. But at the same time, there's times when stress gets so much, they can't handle it. And so having the center to fall back on so that they can continue that uh, road of healing is, is huge. So when I stepped down, I was there to teach them. I was there to uh, encourage them. I was there to come alongside of them, but they were more a blessing to me than I was to them. And I realized that they laid hands on me. They prayed for me. They gave me this plaque that says iron sharpens iron as one man sharpens another. Um, they're my brothers. They are part of my family. They love my children. They pray for us. They encourage us. I mean, God is moving powerfully within them. So the video that we're going to show here, this is a video that um, was a thank you to an organization from Australia that donated the first $50,000 to the restaurant. But it has two of our guys, the leaders, sharing their, their stories and their hearts about the restaurant. And then you get to see some of the stuff that goes on in the restaurant. My name is Nathan Haas. Uh, I work with Hard Places Community. I am co-director at Punlock to My Men. Punlock to My Men is our outreach program to young men that work with men in male massage brothels. So we offer English courses. We offer job skills training. Um, we offer mentoring with these guys. We want to have a place where they are able to land. Um, and so we have just opened up a restaurant that's called Century Nine. So my name is Michael Kenyon. I'm a chef here in Phnom Penh, Cambodia at Century Nine, Inspired Eatery. 
I've trained as a chef, traveled around America, cooking and opening restaurants. After some, some tough things happened in life, lost a lot of things, I felt called to come here to Cambodia and learn with guys and teach guys and, and use my talents to, to help equip them to uh, overcome similar difficulties as I've had. My name is Rota. I'm in front of, uh, in front of the house, a manager at Century 9 Phnom Penh. So Century 9 is, we can call a freedom business. Try to help the, the guy is out of the sex trafficking and offer them a job and give them a chance to work with us and uh, training them a new skill like a barista, a chef. Hello, my name is Sophia. I'm a chef in uh, Century 9. When I work in uh, 2010, I just worked one year at uh, the dark place. I feel like it's not uh, comfortable, but I need money for support my family, and it's not feeling good. When I work at APC, I feel like hope, and I, I can see in the future, and maybe my, my life better and better. I so much change in my life. Yeah, when I working and I cooking, I feel like I serve the customer or the people when they eat my food. How can my food taste like, you know? I feel excited to do that. The vision is to create a sustainable business, but to also give back and to have a place where everybody is welcome and have a place where guys can come and learn. And you don't have to have all the experience in the world, but you can learn and grow and see guys chase after their dreams. I have experience to work in, the, in other places around Cambodia. And uh, this place is the first place that I feel like so, so much different. And I got love and uh, encouragement around people that I work with. I like it and enjoy it working at Century 9. Without Ping Pongathon, we wouldn't have been able to take this old dilapidated building, rebuild it, and turn it into a restaurant that these guys can be proud of. And so their dream is no longer a dream, it's a reality. This week they stepped into the reality of their future. They're, they're businessmen. Your giving, your generous giving has allowed us to make dreams become reality. This restaurant, you know, Century 9 was a dream, like I said. It was a dream of mine, the dream of the guys that we work with for years. And, and really without Ping Pongathon, it wouldn't have been possible. Each one of you that have played ping pong, each one of you that have donated, each one of you that have talked about Ping Pongathon or an organization that Ping Pongathon supports, you have left your mark, and we are so grateful. Because from you stepping up and saying yes to just this deep thing that you felt inside of you, um, and just saying yes and seeing what happens from that, you have left your mark all the way in Cambodia, and you have touched the lives of these men, um, and you have made the work that we do possible um, because you said yes. So over the year that I was at Century Nine, a uh, year and a half of training, but then the year that the restaurant was actually open, we had said to them, what is your goals? And so we had closed down for Christmas and normally in Cambodia, Christmas is not a holiday. So we had, but we had closed down for two weeks to let them know uh, what Jesus had done and gone through the story with them. And then we reopened. We only had two weeks that we were actually open. And they're like, well, we would like to see in sales $5,000 come in. And me, a little faith, was like, well, no, that's not really possible. But okay, we can we can pray for that. At the end of January, they saw $8,500 come in. 
when that happened, the next month they're like, okay, now what? And they're like, we want to see $10,000 come in this month because we're open four weeks. $11,300 came in. The Lord has sustained Century 9 at the ninth month mark, which is unheard of for restaurants in Cambodia. And they continue to serve and they continue to hire more. And these guys, um, we're not keeping them there. As soon as we can send them out to somewhere else and have them a light somewhere else in the community, that's what we want. The two guys, the two guys that we're speaking, they're the managers. And they could work somewhere else and get a higher paying job. But they have said, no, we know what God has done in our lives and we want other guys to experience the same freedom that we're experiencing. And so they have chose to remain at Century 9 to be able to train up the guys that are they're coming out of the brothels. And so that's what that's what I've been doing and uh, blessed to be a part of. And through monthly supporters, we have we have been able to be there and we've been able to speak life into these guys. For Nuri, Nuri, uh, as a Cambodian, has a love for her people. And... Um, Jonathan has been her main ministry uh, over the year. Crossworld allowed Nari to take some time and just spend time with Jonathan. But a little backstory on Jonathan. When we went and uh, into the court case and uh, for the uh, adoption, the judge asked the biological mother, "Why are you giving your son up to for adoption?" Her response was, "Because I tried to get rid of him in the womb and he wouldn't go. This is the only way to get rid of him." You need to understand his mother was 19 years old. Jonathan is her fourth child. She had sold the first two. The third one got sick and she couldn't sell. And Jonathan, she tried to get rid of. Myself and a few of the Cambodians went and watched the movie uh, Unplanned. Jonathan is here today because an abortion did not happen. And he is the joy of our lives. It's one of those things that within three minutes of Nari talking, to the biological mother, she felt loved, accepted, affirmed. Grace was poured onto her life because that's what Nari does every day. She comes alongside these ladies. This is a group of, of ladies from the restaurant that she uh, speaks at. Um, the next line shows her leading a Bible study. Um, it is her heart to come alongside these ladies, allowing them to know that what's happened to them, and some of them are the prevention side of things, so what could happen was not God's plan for their lives. Some of them not thinking they would ever have hope, thinking they could ever do anything because of the abuse they went through. One of, the, one of these girls just got married and has a wonderful Christian husband and has just got, actually got pregnant. Um, and uh, Nari was the first one she called, even before her husband, just to let her know that she was so excited about what God had done in her life through the ministry that Nuri's a part of. She's also, we were able to uh, complete our counseling training and uh, they approached Nari asking if she would take on clients. And so she now has six girls that she comes alongside on a regular basis every week and just continuing to speak life, continuing to process the hurts, the habits, the hangups, the stuff they've gone through and for them to be what God's created them to be, for them to, uh, to shine and to be a light to other girls. Um, several of them want to be able to reach other girls now as well. And so that is the, the joy of any missionary that we work ourselves out of a job and we have the, the locals, even though Nari's a local, um, but to have others come alongside and wanting to do the same thing and wanting to reach um, individuals in these uh, circumstances. I have two testimonies that I would like to share. These are written uh, by the guys that are in our support groups. 
that we run. This is my testimony. My name is Net. I share my name in this short testimony so that many people can love and pray for me, can walk alongside of me as I run after Jesus. Jesus Christ has set me free from the shame I used to feel and hide from. But Jesus died and my shame was put on the cross. He took my shame because he loves me. I truly believe that now. Today I still struggle with temptations and sin, which I have, but I am on the process and the road to complete healing. I am thankful to God that he still loves me. He has put his truth in my mind and has brought brothers who walk, who love and walk alongside of me. One of those brothers has been Brother Matthew. He has always walked alongside of me, reminding me how I should live for Jesus, encouraging me not to sin. He has been a big brother to me. I really appreciate that. I needed a person who was and is passionate to follow Jesus Christ like Brother Matthew, who is willing to walk alongside of me. He doesn't just love Jesus, but he desires to obey his words. I hope you will all remember me and pray for me. By God's grace, knit. The second one. Sometime in February of 2019, I heard about Matthew doing some work at Century 9. Hmm, I know that dude. I contacted him to meet up at the cafe to talk because God kept pestering me about my struggles with unwanted sexual desires, and I needed to meet up with this guy who was helping other brothers. But God, I cannot go there. It has been so many years, and you know the last time I talked about this, what happened? A whole lot of people found out, and rumors were everywhere. Yep, God says, I know what happened, but it's time, and I am, I am with you in this. But God, the last time almost killed me emotionally, and I felt like the walking dead. How is it going to be any different from 40 years ago? I said to God, trust me in this, he replies. I gulped, began to panic. As I sat down with Matthew at the cafe, am I crazy or what? Am I thinking to myself? And yet God is still nudging me to say something to Matthew. Okay, God, I get it. But I'm just saying, if things go bad, this is the last time I'm ever going to do this, no matter how much you shout at me. So I spill out the words of things long needing to be spoken. But I was in dread of saying them, lest I be betrayed again. I tell my story, just waiting for Matthew to reject me, to tell me I'm no good to give me some kind of disgusting look. To my surprise, Matthew acts like everything's okay. Okay? Is this some kind of act? Or is he for real? I'm asking myself. Thinking Matthew is for real, I sense a hope long dead begin to spring up back into my heart. I don't want it, fearing this is all a dream, yet I find myself still hoping. Thus begins what needed to happen so many years ago of walking in hope that things can be different that I don't need to walk in shame or hopelessness. Frankly, it was God using Matthew in my life to begin a much-needed journey out of something that nobody, no one wanted to talk about at churches, namely unwanted sexual desires that Christian men face in their churches. To know there is hope, healing, and that especially there are some men who will not despise me or through their body language tell me I'm gross and disgusting. So simply following that nudge that God gave, I had the so crucial meeting with Matthew. If I had not gone to meet him, or if he was not even here, I would still be stuck. Thank God for his love and mercy for sending Matthew into my life and nudging me to see him. These are common testimonies that the guys are facing. They did not want to happen what happened to them. They do not want the now 
lingering sexual temptations that they're having. They want to be loved. They want to be accepted. In our support groups, um, we have said there are two things that we go by. We believe in biblical marriage or celibacy. If they can't find themselves getting married in a biblical way, then they stay single. And so we have guys that have chose celibacy. We have guys that have chose to get married. But it's one of those things that they all just want to be loved and accepted. This is the scripture that we use. Instead, you yourselves cheat and do wrong. You do this to your brothers and sisters, or do you not know that wrongdoers will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral, nor the adulterers, nor the adulterers, nor men who have sex with men, nor thieves, nor greedy, nor gossips, nor drunkards, nor slanderers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And that is what some of you were. But you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of God. The beauty of the gospel, God's like, comma, 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 comma. There is no difference to sin in God's eyes. We have all fallen short of the kingdom of God. We have all done stuff that has separated us from God. But a lot of times we will say, well, this sin is worse. This sin's okay. This sin you shouldn't do or whatever. But God's like, no, you all have not inherited the kingdom of God because of this. But you have been washed. You have been sanctified. You have been changed by the blood of Jesus Christ. And this is the message that we want to tell the Cambodians. And how are we doing it now that I've walked, came out of the, the restaurant? It's through Celebrate Recovery and small groups, support groups, coming alongside these guys, getting them into groups, allowing them to talk, allowing them to process, allowing them to be loved and know that whatever happened to them was not God's plan. We use the two scriptures, James 5, 16, therefore confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. You know, I'm pretty sure that if I asked you the question right now, how many of you, including myself, how many of us feel righteous at this moment? There has been years that I would have said, I don't feel righteous. But then somebody said to me, When God looks down at us, if we've accepted the Lord Jesus Christ as our personal Lord and Savior, all God sees is the blood of Jesus. So we are 100% righteous because of Jesus, not because of what I do, not because of what I think, not because of anything else, but God looks down at us and he sees we're righteous. So if you ask me to pray for you, technically, according to the word of God, my prayer should be powerful and effective. These guys that have come out of the brothels, that have come out of these difficulties, they've accepted the Lord Jesus Christ. Their prayers are powerful and effective. For them praying for me, over laying hands and over me, when they come together and they confess their sins to each other and then pray for each other, they're doing the healing process themselves. They're allowing the Holy Spirit to move in their lives. And speaking life into them to say, I don't care what you've been through. I don't care what you've gone before you walked into the place today or before they have come into our centers to speak life to them and said, this is what God says you are. And so to let them know that because of Jesus Christ, they are righteous. They are loved. They are affirmed. That's what they want. First John one, seven, nine. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. The blood of Jesus, his son purifies us from all sin. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us from our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. We all have done stuff 
we're no different than them. They want to know that they can walk into a church in Cambodia. One of our guys went to a Cambodian church and the Cambodian pastor got up and said, anyone struggling with same-sex attraction is going to hell. He came into work on Monday morning in tears. And I'm like, no, that's not what the Bible says. And I know that you are a disciple of Christ because you have the fruit of the spirit inside you. He may not be acting out on his temptations, but I give the testimony. My children would tell you this. If you want to get to know the real me, get behind a wheel (laughs) in Cambodia with me and you will find out the real me. (laughs) I have not killed anybody yet. But my frustration and anger because so can't so Phnom Penh, the city we live in, three million people, the size of Kingston. So there are days that I don't do so well, but I have not run anybody over yet. But that's the thing. The temptation to get frustrated, the temptation to get angry is there. But am I giving in to that temptation? And sometimes anger, well, a lot of times angry, and I repent and ask forgiveness. But it's one of those things that what we struggle with, if we don't act out on it, if we take it captive, that is not the struggle in our lives. This next individual. Oh, I went past that. There's the scripture, sorry. So this is one of the guys that is in our support groups. Him and his friend both joined Bible college together four years ago. Uh, after a year at Bible college, his friend uh, fell into temptation and confessed Wanted help, but because he was struggling with SSA and because he fell, he was kicked out of Bible college. So what happened? We immediately hired him, and he is one of our uh, staff at Century 9. Literally has become the pastor. Um, He loves Jesus. He knows the word of God. He understands that he fell. He understands that there was repentance, and and he did, and he's come, and he's, he's truly been the pastor of Century 9. The other guy saw what happened, this guy. Now, as you can see, he graduated on June 4th, but it was one of those things. He kept his mouth shut because the first guy got kicked out. He didn't want to get kicked out. So he kept his mouth shut about his struggles. So he went through Bible college all alone. I am hearing this time and time again now of other people that are just being quiet. This guy for 40 years, he came out at Bible college, asked for help and rumors were everywhere on his campus. So he kept his mouth shut. He got married. He has several kids, more than me. Um, and he is serving full time. And God is using Pam powerfully. But up until nine months ago, nobody else knew his story. And he's had to go his whole life, 40 years, by himself. He loves Jesus. He doesn't like the struggle he has. But he wasn't willing to stare it because he was afraid of the rejection and what that, what that would happen. He's now in a support group. He's getting the healing, he's getting the love, and he's continuing to serve God full time. But it's one of those things that we have come alongside our church in Cambodia. We've asked the pastor, are you willing for our church to be a safe place? Because if you take somebody out of a lifestyle, even if it's an ungodly lifestyle, they're they're feeling or receiving some sort of love, and you put them into another group of believers or a group of a community, and they do not receive that love and acceptance, they're going to go back to the first. And so we're wanting to create the atmosphere at the home church that we've gone to for 10 years, where Nari and I run the young adult or young couples program. We want that church to be a safe haven, a place that they can come and get love and accepted. And the Lord will continue to grow in them and continue to shape and mold them into what he's created them to be. 
and so um, that's that's where we're at in the um, uh, our ministry. Um, we are thankful that we can be God's hands and feet and come alongside these men, um, and in uh, the women as well. And both Marie and I are are very thankful for that. So a couple more things. Uh, can I can't leave out my children. There we go. Um, so our children have been going to Logos International School. Um, it is a Christian school, the same umbrella as the Christian school in Apennine, um, and they are getting the same education as they would get here in Canada. And they have been there uh, for the last five years. Miriam is going into grade nine, Rachel's going into grade seven, and Rebecca is going into grade three. And it's one of those things that we are trusting. Uh, that's why we've, my wife and I have separated these 10 weeks is that we've realized for the kids to continue to go to school next semester, we had to come back to Canada to raise our monthly support or the kids uh, wouldn't be able to continue. And so we are here um, for another three weeks before we go back to Canada, Cambodia, um, and to raise our monthly support so that kids uh, for their tuition. And uh, it's one of those things that all the teachers that are at the school are missionaries. And so here's another plug that if you are a teacher and you are looking for a change and you want to do something, they are constantly looking for teachers. And I'm constantly posting on Facebook the opportunities. I think they still actually need a high school science teacher. So if anyone here is a science teacher, there is a contact logos today. Um, you could start in August. Um, and if you have kids, your kids go free. Uh, I don't serve there, so my kids don't go free. <laughs> um, but that is, uh, that's definitely a ministry opportunity. And so... Um, we are also hoping within the next two years as we are there for our, our term that uh, Pastor Burt McCutcheon and, uh, and Don will come over and visit us. That's our home church, Robin Wesleyan. And so we're really hoping that we can get some teams over. Um, so, you know, maybe, maybe a Cornerstone team would be nice. And we say that because we are moving forward. And after 17 years of renting, uh, as of September, we get to move into our own house that we have where they are building for us right now. And uh, there will be guest rooms, and uh, it will be a ministry house. We have monthly outreaches with the Young Couples Program. And so we are excited to uh, move into that. And uh, it's on Facebook. We've been posting the updated building because I can't see it. So they're, the builder's sending me photos, and I'm getting them out there. Uh, but we are excited to be able to have a place to call our own and to be able to uh, open it up to couples and individuals and whoever, uh, just to come through and just to continue to minister, not only to the Cambodians, but also allow people from North America to experience uh, what Cambodia is like and to experience the testimonies firsthand of what God is doing in these individuals. So as we move forward, um, prayer is needed. Um, that is the big thing. We are working in an unwanted uh, area. We're working with guys that feel they'll never be accepted. Um, and there is a lot of amazing brothers that are coming alongside of them and, uh, and are pouring out love and grace. Um, praying for Nari right now. She is in Cambodia. Ministry continued for her. She continues to meet with the girls as well as watching Jonathan. And so just pray for strength. Um, she was sick this last week with fever and uh, with a toddler and in bed, it's not the easiest thing. So just continual prayer for her. And as well, just for our monthly support, uh, we do have forms at the back. We're down to 1440 right now is what we need per month. And so um, if that's a, something the Lord is calling you to do um, or be a partner, that would be uh, amazing. And um, 
There we go. Um, just want to finish with uh, an encouragement and a prayer over you guys. Um, coming from Canada, coming from a dairy farm, not really getting outside the farm for my first 20 years of my life. Um, even my wife, up until five years ago, had no idea this was happening amongst the boys and younger men. She knew we, we hear a lot about the uh, girls in human trafficking. Um, last time I was here, I talked to the OPP in Napanee, and they had asked the churches to please uh, be opened, uh, open their eyes and, and to watch because of Flying J in Napanee is the hub where they transfer the girls from Toronto to Montreal at night. So they were asking people to please, if you see something, call 911. Um, it's not just happening in Cambodia. It's happening all over. And so to be able to come alongside, to be able to see something and, and protect, um, to be able to, if there are people in the community that are struggling. Um, one other testimony was we had a missionary give us a call and said, Matt, we hear what you're doing in Phnom Penh. My wife and I live in Simriap, uh, which is five hours north. Um, could we come and shadow you? Uh, we want to see what you're doing with the young men in, in Phnom Penh. I said, yeah, no, that's fine. And so he came down, him and his wife, and he shared his testimony. He came from an alliance church in the States, and adolescence hit. And when adolescence hit, he started struggling with same-sex attraction. So he went to the church asking for help, and the church rejected him. So he did the only thing he thought he could do, and he gave up, walked away from the church, and went and led a homosexual lifestyle for 10 years. And then 9-11 happened, and the, the World Trade Center came down, and God told, spoke to him very clearly, if you were in that building, you would have went to hell, is, is what he testified to. And so that day, he said, but if you come back and believe in me, I promise you a wife and a son. Nine years later, he got married to his wife now of two years, and they are trying uh, for a son. And he's serving full time up in Simrip to reach other brothers that are coming out of the brothels, coming out of the massage parlors, coming out of the, those difficult places, because he's now tasted the freedom that God gave him. Now, him and his wife testify. He still struggles with SSA, same-sex attraction, but he doesn't give in it. He loves his wife. He's attracted to his wife. But his call to reach other brothers so they have the same freedom that he's had is very powerful. Uh, we had him share at our international men's breakfast in Phnom Penh. Um, and the month before, we were advertising, hey, there's, there's support groups for Christian brothers that are struggling with these things. If uh, contact the counseling center and they can hook you up. And one of the guys came up to me afterwards and our missionary and said, well, there's nobody in this country struggling with this because they couldn't be a missionary if they were struggling with this. And then the month after, this guy came and shared his testimony. And his wife testifies that he loved, they, they love each other. They have a, a healthy biblical marriage. But his passion is to reach these brothers in Simrip that are in the red light district. You know, God can use what Satan tried to destroy in our lives to be able to reach other people. And I think the last time I was here, I shared that I had gone some, through some stuff as a child. And that's why I'm doing what I do because I can understand these guys that have been raped and abused and I want them to experience the love and grace of, of Christ. And so you may know people in your community. You may know family members. Don't stop praying. Prayer is powerful and effective being that open door, you know, 
just I don't accept boyfriend and girlfriends, let's be honest, having sex before marriage. There's no difference in God's eyes. You know, sin is sin. You know, I'm going to come alongside young adults. That's my passion. That's my desire. And I want to speak life into them and allow them to know um, that there's another way and that uh, what the temptations of the world nowadays is not what God has called them to do. I want to do it in Cambodia. And if I get the chance here to, to come alongside, I was with the Cambodian youth last night in Ottawa. And it was great just to speak life into them again. I'm leading their, their conference in Hamilton uh, in three weeks. Um, and uh, just to come alongside of them and say, hey, what are you doing for God? Are you being the salt and light that God's called you to be? Are you receiving and accepting and bringing people into your life that need just to know some love and grace? You know, so that would be my prayer for this church. Um, I know Dan. Dan has been uh, an amazing brother to me, and it was great to meet his brother when he came through Cambodia as well. Um, and it was because of the big guy, uh, Michael, in the video that spoke life into Dan's brother because they had similar testimonies. But it's one of those things. We can use our testimonies. We, we were there for Cambodia. We weren't there for Dan's brother. But God used our ministry partner to be able to reach Dan's brother as well. So how can God use you in your life to be able to reach somebody else? 